You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Mike Fallett. And I want to be very clear. It's not Michael. It's not... It can be Mikey, but only for me. Girls can call him Mikey. Men cannot. We established that in Montana. Mike Fallett, he is... The um, force behind Dream Starters Publishing. He also has a community called the Inner Circle. Um, he is, first and foremost, he is a patriot, unlike pretty much anything else I've ever seen. Um, he is, as of you know, mid-June, he has launched 233 best-selling books. He's from Pittsburgh, and he is, he's just, he's, I ran out of things to say. <laughs> he, yeah, are you done gushing? I, I'm not even gushing. You are a little bit. No, not really, but yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation to have with him because we wrote a book. We did not uh, use his services. I don't think we knew he existed at the time. We so. did not. Um, we'll use him for our next book. There is going to be no other book, not with my name on it anyways. Corey Harris, I feel like I can talk you into that. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but it, it'll be fun to talk to him and see what his his approach to writing books is and, and all of that and compare it against our own experiences because as everybody can tell from this conversation that um, we have mixed feelings about uh, being authors no, I don't think we have mixed feelings about it. I um, Listen, I didn't just love the whole process of writing the book. I do love the fact that we have a book out there that can really help small business owners and entrepreneurs. Sure. I love that aspect of it. So, But, you know, that writing was... Uh, treacherous is is a good way to <laughs> describe it. At no point in writing did I feel in danger. <laughs> I felt my mental health was in <laughs> yeah. danger a couple of times, but it was you know it's it it I, I like I thought our process was very solid and thorough. Right, like we put out a really really good book. What I wish we would have behind it would have been the marketing machine to make more people aware of our book. And the nice thing is there's still time to do that. Sure. Um, you know, the the book isn't going anywhere. Uh, I hope that it's timely. I hope it doesn't go out of style. I hope, you know, we don't find out that something we wrote in there is now offensive to everybody yeah, or whatever. Yeah. There's no getting around that probably. Probably but. not. Probably there, there probably isn't. So what did you find to be, what did you like about the process that we took for writing our book? Finishing it. That was my favorite part of the process. <laughs> um, I love the ending of that story. Tell it again. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if there's anything that I really stuck out as something that I enjoyed. Um, no, that's not what I didn't ask you that. What did you like about our process? That's what I mean. Oh, I, well, okay. So I, maybe I asked a bad question. 
Well, I mean, what, like, it, like what parts of our process was effective to you? There you go. That's a better question. Yes. Um, there's going to be a difference between effective and efficient. Okay. Because the the back and forth that we did and the 18 read-throughs and multiple editors and all of that, not efficient to getting a book out. Super effective. I think it was effective in terms of getting multiple opinions. And, I mean, we caught numerous things. And we even caught one thing after the fact that, <laughs> yeah. like, we had published the book and... I was just flipping through the pages, and uh, I think it was the in the chapter four. The header of <laughs> yeah, one of the chapters was wrong or incorrect somehow, and uh-huh. so we had to go go back and fix that. So all of the work that we did, and I mean, and that's two editors, uh, Julie and I reading it multiple times. We had a professional designer pull together the actual like insides of the book because that was just uh, something that would have taken me countless hours to do instead of just paying somebody to do it all of that everybody looked at it and nobody caught that one little thing again and then there was another thing i think in like uh i don't know we could there, there were two two things that just complete everybody completely missed so mm-hmm. even with all of that like effective work that we did you're gonna make a mistake but that's okay like you know we by the end of it i think that if we had made that mistake if we had noticed that mistake and like we had only spent two months working on it, we probably would have kicked ourselves because we been like, ah, we should have spent more time, you know, working on this. Well, two weeks, let's say, because it only took us about two months to write the book. Yeah, it didn't take um, us. It didn't take us. So long. yeah, so if, if we rushed through it, we probably would have kicked ourselves. But the fact that we were so thorough and then something, it's like we were laughing at. It. We're like, of course, there's. How did that get through? And and I sent like a joke to one of our editors, and she was super apologetic. I was like, no, 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 like that was. I thought that was funny. Like, well, listen, I think probably um, for me, one of the things I, I thought our, our process was effective in that um, it made a better book, right? Not efficient. There was nothing efficient about what we did, though. I thought our writing process was very efficient for us, right? The editing and review process, not terribly efficient, but very effective. But the way that we approached writing it, I felt like was really efficient in that, you know, it was this methodical approach to... I write first, you come in back, clean up on all my shitty grammar, and then you add in more context and more stories. And then we would get together fairly regularly and um, make sure that, you know, from a layout and storytelling perspective that the order still made sense. And we had to reorganize. I remember the the part two on planning as being, ugh, it was brutal, right? Because what I learned very quickly in that section was, Okay, so I'm a kick-ass project manager. Like, you are brilliant at process. I am brilliant when it comes to managing projects. I am not brilliant at writing about how to do project management and how to break that down when you don't, there's no guidelines around tools or anything else. It was really tough for me to do that part. But I felt like we did a good job. I remember we had we had multiple heated discussions about that because you're I'm the project manager I'm like I understand yeah but I don't understand what you're doing I can't follow like your your yes. train of thought and in the end that ended up being a big a benefit that you know uh, that was hugely beneficial for us that you were like I don't know project management and I have no idea where you're taking us and I'm like ah back to the drawing board but it made the book better i really though i loved our our main editor i just you know vanessa still just to this day just crack up thinking about how um i've never worked with anybody who so efficiently and i actually she there was like a master class from her on 
giving feedback that, you know, it would be, would have been really easy for us to get, you know, frustrated over like the rework and the feedback coming in, but she kept it, she made it fun and there was nothing about it that ever came across as that where we should feel bad about what we had produced. She was great. And, you know, the reason that I kind of really admire what she did is because they have a friend who wrote a book and um, she wrote the whole book, sent it off to the editor and got the feedback back from the editor for the rewrites and that that feedback and those rewrites sat for over a year and she still hadn't looked at them because she was so afraid of what the editor would have said about them. And I thought, man, there was, I always, I looked forward to Vanessa's feedback because it was so funny and she would throw in office quotes for us and, um, family guy. Yeah. Arrested development. Arrested development. Yes. But, uh, some of it was jarring. I'll admit that's <laughs> for you, Vanessa. Uh, yes, yes. Jarring. Yeah, and and I think the like her approach was better because I can I can imagine how uh, I don't know defeating that would be if you wrote an entire book and then just got like a ton of crappy feedback. Yeah. Versus we would send chapters as we were finishing them, and so we like we knew we were kind of on the right track um, as we were going instead of having to pour all of this work into something and then find out it was crap at the end. Not saying yeah. your friend's book was crap, but you know yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what she was concerned about. Um, so yeah, I mean it was a. Uh, I liked I liked that approach, but yeah, there will never be another book with my name on it. I'm I'm determined to change your name, change your mind there, change your name. <laughs> you can change my name as long as it's not on the book. All right, um, well, let's wrap up and bring Mike in. Looking forward to talking to him. Hey everyone, if you're like most entrepreneurs out there, time is not something you ever seem to have enough of. We get it. There are a million things that need your attention, both in business and in your personal life. That's why we created Time Bomb. This is a self-paced course designed to help you determine what your time is worth and where you should be spending those precious hours every day. Right now, we have an option to buy the bundle, which also includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time. It's a $70 deal you're getting for only an additional $30. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb. Take control of your calendar. Gain control of your life. All right. Welcome back to the show. We've got Mike Fallett with us. Welcome, Mike. It's nice to have you. It's awesome to be here, Jolie and Corey. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I'm so glad we got to meet for the very first time in person in Montana at the 365 Driven event. So it's been great to actually uh, connect with you one-on-one. And, you know, now that I actually, you know, know your sphere of influence and your circle, I like you a lot more now. This is great. <laughs> I know. I'm not all that likable until you actually meet me, right? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's start with an interesting question. What is your entrepreneurial superpower? Ooh, good question. Um, okay. So I would think that my entrepreneurial superpower is stick I don't think I'm the smartest. I am definitely not the best looking. I'm not the tallest or have the most resources. Uh, but I do have this like hard headed blue collar mentality, which gives me this ability to just keep fighting all the way through the nonsense. Uh, I think I have more people call it grit and that, that, there's a lot of people throwing that title around now and it's, it's powerful. Like that, that word grit, I guess is really the stick to but to go through the times that are not easy to manage, um, that are not promising. There's not a lot of hope there 
and just to keep plugging, to keep digging, if you will. And I think that that gives me an advantage over most people because a lot of people come to this roadblock and say, well, I don't have this connection. Um, I'm just going to wait till it comes to me. And I'm just like, well, maybe I can't get a guest on the podcast or maybe I can't figure out this right connection. And I'm just thinking, I'll just do it on my own. I'll figure out something. I'll, I'll have some type of tool that, that other people don't have and I'm going to use it better than most people. And I'm going to cut through the noise and figure out a way. And then I'm kind of, you know, duct tape it or zip tie it together, however you want. And somehow it's going to lead me to the right person. So stick to grit and the ability to just fight through bullshit. I think that's my superpower. Love it. Where though does the stick to it end? Stick to itness. Yeah. Where does that end and stubbornness begin? Because I feel like that <laughs> can also very good question. be a detriment <laughs> yeah. as well. Well, I, I think personally, they're pretty much one and the same. I don't think entrepreneurs are very, um, I, I guess you could say, uh, it, you, you know, they, they're illogical almost. They're, maybe they're not logical to a point because to leave a comfortable job and to go off and do this thing in the wilderness by yourself is sort of like that doesn't make any sense. And you're going to put yourself through a time period that's so difficult and mentally draining that it just doesn't even make sense if you try to explain it to anybody. Oh, I'm going to follow after my dream. That doesn't make any sense to people, but the results do. So it's sort of like you have to see something that nobody else sees. Stubbornness is a part of it. So they're pretty much one and the same. That's interesting. I'm curious about Corey's thoughts on that because he's the most stubborn man I know. <laughs> I like you, man. I like you already. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I, I totally agree. And it's, I, I believe kind of the same way. Like as long as you keep pushing towards that thing that you want, you can ultimately get it. But one of the things that I'm, I'm guilty of, and I, I think a lot of people are, is there's a cost associated with that. So at some point, yeah, you might get what you want, but what did you lose along the way? Or what didn't you gain elsewhere because you were so laser focused on this one particular thing? Um, so that's, that's just, and like I said, I'm guilty of it too, but I also like just, I like being able to say that I'm, I'm, going to do something and actually do it. I, I like the fact that I can, you know, for the most part, keep my word on pretty much everything that I do. Love it. I think I asked, um, and if you guys have talked to Lauren, have you talked to Lauren at all from 365 Driven, who was the coach of the New York Yankees? I sat there in the, in the crowd and I asked Lauren a similar question there, Corey. And I am, I'm in this, this zone of, you know what, if you're not you know, a power, part of my, my team or on my side or whatever, you're so far gone from my life. It's just, it's automatic now. And I asked her, I'm like, is it, you know, I'm only 36. Okay. So I, I want to ask people who have been doing this stuff for years and years and years, and I'm getting the same answer, but I wanted to ask her. And it's basically the people in your life that you grew up with, or maybe family, or whatever, if those people, you know, are not really in the same boat as you, whether it's mentally or, you know, financially, when you're thinking of things, you know, is there, there is going to be a cost because you're basically going to eliminate them. And if it's automatic where you're eliminating from your life, you're almost going to be only in a circle of like-minded people. Now, I think that's the result of it all, but is there a cost of completely distancing yourself from all those other people? There has to be. Is it part of the game? Is there some type of pain of losing those individuals? There has to be, right? That's what makes sacrifice lead to greatness, I think. You have to sacrifice, otherwise other people would be making it easily. Yeah, I. this is, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, my network, my social circle is, I, I would say, 
like almost 100% different now than it was before we launched SB Pace in March of 2020, right? And I, you know, I have always so much appreciated Tony Watley's story of, and he tells this story on our, when he was on our podcast, that um, him and Lisa went away. They did this like weekend retreat or this week-long retreat. Things weren't going well in the business. And um, obviously he tells the story much better than I do because it's his story. But essentially... They, they both took a piece of paper, went into separate rooms and listed out the names of the people that were bringing them back down or holding them back or weren't supporting them in the way that they needed to be supported. And they made an agreement that every name that was on the list, they were eliminating from their lives. And um, he said it was really hard. And there was, he said, he tells the story, when he tells the story, he says, obviously Lisa's list had more names on it because she's a woman. (laughs) But um, they, then, then they, you know, methodically removed these people from their lives. And he said, we, you know, we weren't jerks about it. We just started to not accept invitations and we didn't, we were like, Hey, we're cutting out of our lives. We just, we just started to cut people out without really telling most people it was happening and some of them were, had been lifelong friends. Some of them were family. But they were like, these are the people that were holding them back from where they wanted to go. And he said when they made that shift, the business expanded and grew so quickly because they started to surround themselves with the right people. And that's been a really hard – that was, a, you know, I always say, I've, I've probably said this on 90% of our podcasts, the number one lesson that I learned that first year of business for us was support never comes from where you think it's coming, right? And so the people that I thought that were my lifelong friends, they, they're they not risk takers. They're not entrepreneurs. They're not in it like we are. And I have known those people for, you know, 25 years. And I don't, I'm not really friends with them anymore. I don't talk to them anymore. And I didn't like maliciously cut them out, but I'm like, I'm not, I can't give to this relationship and then get nothing back. That's actually going to help me. And for years, that's the way I handled a lot of relationships was just give, give, give. And I just started to like eliminate people and it's freeing, but yeah, there's definitely a cost. Like I, I, I feel guilty in some ways, but I also feel like, you know, there's a little bit of FOMO. I'm missing out on things that I used to be included in, but I'm also thinking I've got this whole new life over here that I wouldn't trade this for anything. Right. Great point. And, and, and I'm going to ask you a question, Julie. When you started to become this person that you are today, and then if you were to go back into that circle for a moment, maybe a, a, you know, a weekend hanging out and would you almost start to get a little bit like sick inside if you started to hear the negativity and maybe to hear how people think or how what they're believing in? Because it's almost like you're going to get it's almost jumping out of the pool and then getting back into it. And it's like a shock again. And so when I started to do this in 2016, that was my big transformation year. I started noticing like the girl I was dating, her best friend was completely negative, always And anytime we'd get around her, like it would be this spidey sense of like, oh, God, I feel sick. I got to, I got to do something here. So is that how you feel too? Maybe if you were to go back into that old life for a brief moment? Yeah, I, I, I feel that. And I think part of what makes it a little bit easier for me and, you know, I'll stick my toe in the water on a topic that we almost never talk about on, on this podcast is that from a political standpoint, they are all on the other side of where I stand. And I just don't I have very little patience for that mindset. That's why I like you. So I just kind of, I'm like, well, I don't, I can't even, 
I don't even see their 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 shit on social media anymore. Like that's how far removed they are. And it's not because I deleted them. I'm still friends with them on social media, but because they're just not engaged in any type of the circles I'm in, their stuff never even makes my feed. So I have no idea what's going on in any of their life. I'm not on their group texts anymore. Thank God I hate group texts. Me too. <laughs> but you know, it's so it's it. Yeah. I don't think that I could go spend a weekend with them for anything. I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good point there. Well, let's dive into your business and writing a book. Cause we wrote a book last summer and we spent the first part of this podcast talking about kind of our experience with that. And we know that you, I mean, you're successful and efficient and whatever, you know, whatever else at, at getting people, you know, helping people write their own books. So what's that process look like? Because ours was interesting to say the least <laughs> when what, how we started and where we ended was it was an like like it was great and I'm you know I'm not talking trash at all about uh, Jim House and his, his like his process for doing things but it took it took me a minute to to get on board with why are we stretching before we're talking like, <laughs> <laughs> he made, we made us do stretching and meditation exercises before we he helped us so we hired a guy he's Jim House he has a company called the Book Carver and he helped us map out the entire book and then. Our work with him ended and then we wrote the entire book and had to find our own editors and formatters and all those things. Right. So it was a learning process for us, a lot of research. And quite honestly, like Corey led the charge on it, but um, he did make us do stretching and Corey was like, what the hell? I guess I could see the reason behind it, but I don't make anybody stretch. Let me just tell you that right And I don't know what your interview process is like, but I've streamlined it to its foot. So it's four hours. Okay. Two hours, one day and two hours, another day. Now, the reason why I believe in the power of a book is I saw it firsthand. 2015, I wrote my first book called Dream Starter and it automatically day one became a bestseller because I knew how to, I did so much research. I talked to people who've done it and turned into an Amazon bestseller. That was an automatic new identity for me. I had something that most people did not, which gave me this new chainsaw in the in the wilderness when most people had a hatchet. So I saw what happened. I started, I would ask to be at CCAC and Pitt and Duquesne to become a speaker. And they laughed at me. They, they responded three weeks later. Nah, well, you know, all this stuff. We'll get back to you. I wrote a book, bestseller. Okay. Almost within a week or whatever, CCAC said, hey, it looks like you have a bestselling book. You want to come in and speak to our class? It, it, it is automatically like this social hack that just gets you into rooms. So I saw the power of it. I got more attention online. But the, the greatest thing that happened from it was people were out there saying, man, I would love to write my book. How did you do so? Now, I did it for free, by the way. I wrote my own book. Okay, I had the girl who I was dating at the time edit the book. It wasn't 100% perfect. My cover design cost $25. I went somewhere, took a picture, put it on the template for KDP, which is the way you upload it for Amazon. And I just did everything myself. It was a mess. I mean, it's still clean inside, but I did it and it worked. Okay. So I saw the power and I realized, okay, everybody's asking me how to write a book. Let me just do it for them. I'll charge 2000 or 2,500 bucks to interview them over. It was three hours at the time. And I saw how easy it was to just do the Socratic method Q and a, if you ask someone a question, just like you do on a podcast, it's a lot easier to get, you know, people to give you an answer once the question is is presented to them. So you ask the right question and then the answer is given. That answer is usually top of mind and that's recorded via a Zoom call. 
And then what you do from there is you basically streamline it to the writer takes that, comprehends it, and then brings it to life professionally. Now, the, the system that I have in place is story lesson, story lesson, story lesson. You want to give value to your audience with this lesson, but you need to tell people about your story. Okay. And why is that important? Because if they read chapter one, two, and three, they're going to put the book down and they're going to either, they're going to, they're going to know, like, and trust you, or they're not. Okay. The goal is to get them to know, like, and trust you to fall in love with you as the person, not just the author, just not just your business. So my streamline pros program to make it very easy was, Hey, give me 15 generic lessons that you want people to take with you after they read, take with them after they read this book. And they'll say, wow, 15 generic lessons. I don't have that many. Oh, yes, you do. You just don't even realize it. Now, how do you come up with the 15 generic lessons? You start with the end, end goal. When the book is done, how do you see yourself using it? Well, I just want to help people. I don't want to make any money from this. That's a crap answer. If you're saying that you're, you're insane. You need to start thinking about this book is going to be how you level up. Well, I want to be a real estate investor. Okay. Well, I want to be the real estate agent in my community. Okay, great. I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be on stage with Tony Robbins talking about how to change your life. Beautiful. Oh, you also want to become a coach for relation uh, for people in relationships. Great. Now write down 15 generic lessons that you've learned in your life that helped you uh, identify what's important uh, it, when it comes to those, the, the, the key points, okay? So all you gotta do is think about the end goal, reverse engineer where you're at now, okay, 15 generic lessons that will help people get to that, to become that person, and then tie in personal stories that taught you those lessons. It could be that story with your grandfather when you were seven years old on the tractor and he taught you about accountability. It could be your first client. It could be your first business that failed. It could be when you were a door-to-door knocker trying to sell something and you learned something about building rapport within five seconds. Whatever it is, write that story down in a sentence or just maybe one word. In the interview process that I do, I would say lesson number one is all about getting around the right people, Jolie. What does this mean to you? You know, tell me a little bit about the importance of that. Oh, also, how did you learn this lesson? So over time, we've done 230 books this way. And over time, I've gotten better and better at asking questions. So if I'm able to get the lesson and the story, and this is the last piece that you guys got to tie in here is specific audience that you're trying to reach. Who am I trying to get to read this book? Is it women 25 to 45 or is it men 20 to 25? Are they athletes? Are they entrepreneurs? Are they people who went through a divorce? Are they single moms, single fathers? Whatever it is, be specific because then you can tailor your message directly to them. So after that four-hour interview goes to a writer, my writer writes it. I have a team of writers that do so. 16 women, one guy, just to let you guys know, women are better writers. So if you find a ghost writer out there, find a woman because they're better writers. They listen more intently. Sharon Lecter is a perfect example of this. She's the one that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, even though it was Kiyosaki stories and lessons, people think. So anyway, the, the book that changed my life was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I modeled my whole business based off of that. Anywho, once the book is written, we give you two edit run-throughs. You fine-tune it. Now, you just brought up a very good point. There's probably a lot of back and forth, and it's like, oh, my God, the tonality of this is not me or whatever. We try to make it as easy as possible. Done is better than five or seven years of trying to make it perfect. So our goal is to get it down, lesson story, tailored to a specific audience. You go through, you do two edit run-throughs, and we try to tweak it and, and basically, quote, unquote, write the ship. 
Therefore, you are able to have your message in there, your lessons, your stories in a 120 page book, at least 20 to 25,000 words minimum, which comes out to be an hour and a half read, which comes out to be like an airplane book. Statistically, most people will read a book about 120 pages or less than any other type of book. However, it's teaching a lesson, telling a story. And then once the book is done, we give you 25 cover options you're able to choose from. The title and subtitle I'll help you out with because I'm more of a marketer than a writer myself. And once that's done, we turn it into an Amazon bestseller. Bestseller means that it's all about leverage, positioning, and timing. So at the very end of everything, you have an Amazon bestselling book in a very short amount of time. People think that's the end. That's really the beginning. And I put out a little quote the other day. It's like finishing a book is only the beginning. And the reason why is because I saw back in 2015 the transformation, the identity that it turned me into. It was overnight just amazing to feel. So when people get that book and all of a sudden they use the book as a lead generator to get in that classroom, to speak on stage, to get on that podcast, now they find their real voice. Their real self is it, it starts to be exposed to the world. And that's how, uh, that's how I put it all together. Your approach is uh, to, to help people write books is very similar, I think, to ours and when we help people start businesses because it's a lot of questions, a lot of figuring out. It's finding that ideal customer, the you know your ideal reader, et cetera, et cetera. Do you get a lot of people who who come to you who just say, I want to write a book and they have no idea what, they're, what they want to write about? Because we get that a lot with people saying, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur or a small business owner. Great. What do you do? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uncertainty is a part of it. When you meet with people who are super successful business owners, they're, they're clear. They, they, you know, that you get them on a podcast, they can answer questions, but not everybody's at that stage. And you have to be accepting of that because the people who are just getting started when they quit their job and start a business, they're doing a lot of soul searching. Hell, I didn't know who I was. I mean, my first company is called dream starters university. Okay, the first one succeeded. I had four other failures before that, by the way. So the first one is DreamStars University, book marketers, you know, book marketing experts. My, my, my message shifted, okay? So the people who come to you and they're just trying to figure out, like, wh who are they? What, what do they stand for? What, are they, what problem do they want to solve? I think you just have to understand that not everybody's at the exact same point in their life. And so I guess... They're going to thank you down the road, you know, that, you know, five years from now, they're probably going to be more difficult to work with. And I guess you noticed that also. You're like, wait mm -hmm. a second. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to give you the answers of like where to go in life. But it's part of the thing. It's part of the process. It's part of helping people get to where they want to go. You're not going to nail it every which every way, every every time. But if you're able to help them get to that next level, maybe do a little soul searching or have a little bit of success they're going to look back on you as you're, you were the fire starter to it. So yes, it's a little harder. It's a little bit more difficult. There's a lot of probably frustration when it comes to people who are lost, but that's where your value is. That's, you know, that's part of the game. We write books for people all the time. I would say 70% use the book very well, very well because they have a system. They have a real business, 30% write the book. And by the time of the book is already done, they're a new person. Oh my God. Yeah. You know what? I wrote this book about motivation, but I really want to be the real estate guy. Okay. <laughs> what you just did was you leveled up to a point where you figured out like, you know, where your value is at, but maybe you know that, Oh my God, if I was this person, I could do a little bit more with my book. This is another chess move. So you're helping them get to another path, but it's not the end all be all like you're just helping them get to the next level of their career. And 
I guess you just got to accept that whether it's businesses or books or podcasts. Yeah. Helping people find their voice is just, um, you know, that's where your value's at. Yeah. I, I would say that, you know, for my, you know, I wrote a book, you write a book on motivation and you realize you want to be a real estate person or whatever. We, um, when we, after we titled our book and it was released, right. So we wrote this entire book on disaster preparedness and, um, it's, and when we were done, it's released and published. It's probably like, I don't know, two months after it's out. I said to Corey, I think our book is not named correctly. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it's only now that I realize, and I'm sure he knew all along, right? Um, our book is about building a really strong business foundation, which is the core thing that we teach entrepreneurs is how to have a strong foundation so that you can grow and scale your business and you can withstand tough times. And I always, you know, I find myself wondering how many people are we missing that aren't going to pick that book up because they're thinking, well, I already just, I already survived a disaster. I made it through COVID or I made it through, you know, a hurricane or whatever. Whereas, the book really, it gives you the fundamentals of just building a very, very strong business. And I was like, well, <laughs> lesson learned, you know? And so it's just one of the things that we we talk about, but the book isn't named that, right? But mm -hmm. I, I mean, the title is still correct for what it is, but I, I feel like we missed like an entire segment of an audience that we could have captured had we named it differently. Good point there. A lot of people start with the title and try to build the content around the title. Okay. And that's the wrong approach. You want to build the content. And that's why when we do our interview, I, people are like, I got this amazing title. I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. Like you could tell me if you want, but give me an idea of what you're thinking, but I guarantee it's going to change because here's what I've learned is that if you build the title around the content, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you have this ability to be like, you could, it, it fits the whole thing. If you're trying to do a title and then write content based off of it, you become very limited and it becomes real choppy. So just get your message, your lessons, all that down there. And there might be something you say over and over and over that you don't even realize it, but somebody who's interviewing you does. And you're like, listen, this is what you say over and over. This is your hashtag that you're using over and over. Hey, um, maybe the book should be built around this hashtag here. Okay. So you're saying like, Hey, the title should be this because it yeah. fits everything that you just talked about. And guess what? Maybe you never thought of this because you're thinking, Oh my God, this title needs to be something magnificent. Simplicity is what sells more than anything. When it comes to a book, three words, even two to three colors on the cover, all you got to do is cut through all that and make it very easy for them to say, Jolie Traxler equals small business pace or Julie tracks are equals the foundation of business or Julie tracks are equals success. You write a book called, which I'm, I'm just making this up success or the foundation of business. Oh, Julie, is that the girl who wrote the foundation of business? I would assume that she is the person that will talk about the foundation of business, right? Yeah. Whether they read it or not, this is going to open doors for you because most people will not read this book. Whether you want that to happen or not, they will not read it. But if they hear that you wrote a best-selling book on real estate riches, the keys to victory, you know, changing your life, Corey Harris equals changing your life. Dude, Corey Harris, I heard about this guy. He, he, he wrote a book about changing your life, right? Get him on our podcast. I want to hear his lessons that he talks about. And damn, he uh, 
he has some good stories. You hear about his story whenever he did this and this and met Jolie. Oh my God, it's an awesome, I can associate with that guy. Now I'm going to follow him online. He's a patriot like Jolie. Oh God, I, there's so much commonality. <laughs> so the lessons are secondary as compared to the love of the person. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and two, two quick things. We did, our title was one of the last things that we came up with. Um, I mean, I can remember when we came up with the title, the book was done, right? And Oh, we good. were actually on a hike somewhere and I just kept repeating the phrase, seriously, now what? <laughs> and then we realized that was the name of our book. So, uh, and you'll, and the second thing is, uh, when we do our outro, you'll hear the title of our book and you'll hear how incorrect we were for the number of words we used. We went a little bit over three. <laughs> so, um, we need to wrap up. This has been great. And I mean, I could listen to you talk about books for days because as everyone knows, and I know you know this, Mike, I'm a little bit of a book whore. I buy every yeah, book I, I can find. So, um, tell our listeners how they can find you. So the, the best way is probably Instagram. If you want to get a snapshot of who I am as a human being, uh, just go to at the dream starter. It's the best way. Or you want to take a look at my website, my company. This is my main gig, which is Dreamstarters Publishing. Go to dreamstarterspublishing.com. You'll get all the details. If you're looking to write a book, that'd be great. Or if you just want to follow me on Instagram, uh, we can connect on there and, and uh, you know, talk about whatever. I'm a business guy, not just books. I just like talking about business and patriotism. Perfect. Well, I'm going to nail the outro today, Corey. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We love having you listen. And you can find out everything about Mike in our show notes. We're going to brag him up there. And if you want to work with us, make sure to uh, give us a shout. We can help you um, start a small business and connect you with Mike if you want to write a book. And so can, much for so much for nailing the outro. You blew it, but <laughs> connect with us on social media. We've got LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and a YouTube channel. And everything that you absolutely would ever need to know about us is on our website, sbpace.com. You can um, also subscribe to our podcast, which we would appreciate if you do. And tell all your friends and family about it, and even people you don't like. Let them know about this podcast, too. Like us and give us a review on our podcast. That would um, really help us. The more popular we are, the better we are. And you can reach out to us about topics that you might want to hear on the show. If you want to be a guest, fill out the form that we've got on our website. Like I said, everything's out there on the site, including a link to our book, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's the number one bestseller on Amazon. We have a digital workbook download available. And if you've already purchased it and read it, like it and give us a review. Tell us what you thought. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this is BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. 